Good to see you guys here. Thanks for joining us for Spring Forward Weekend. Congratulations, you made it on time, an earlier hour. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're super spiritual. Just let them know right now. Good job, you pulled it off. You see how I say that like Jim Carrey, you're super spiritual. And say it like he does, you know, I love my Jim Carrey. You're like, it's <laughs> my Jim Carrey impression. So glad you guys are here today. I want to say hello to all of our campuses. I want to also welcome our God Behind Bars. Give it up for those guys. We love you guys. Grateful for you. I'm so excited about today's message because we're talking about trigger people. And I know you've got some people that trigger you. And so people that just set you off, make you want to go nuts and just let them know how you feel. How do you deal with those kind of people? Maybe you're sitting right next to them right now. Don't point the fingers. I understand. We're going to help you today. I know you brought your teenager with you. Congratulations. They're here. That's good. So we're glad you guys are here, though. Thanks for being a part of our services today. We have our notes available for you if you want those notes. Our notes are in digital form. And so we are saving your tithe money, and we are making those in digital form now. And so if you want to download the Church Unlimited app, click on notes. You have all the notes I preach from. Or, of course, you can take notes on our bulletin. There's a space there for you as well. And so as you get that out, let's go ahead and say our mission statement. Statement together. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. That's what we're all about here at Church Unlimited. Again, thanks for coming out. Thanks for being a part of our services today. So, you know, we talk about trigger people, and there are people in our life that we love dearly that also can trigger us, that can push our buttons and just drive us crazy. Maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's a neighbor, uh, maybe it's someone that you even go to church with, maybe it's your pastor. I hope not. Um, <laughs> I don't know who it is for you, but maybe, in fact, maybe it's your spouse. Maybe they just know how to set you off, right? I mean, I know a lot of women right now are thinking, Pastor, my husband triggers me. He drives me crazy. Ladies, I can help you with that. Okay, let me just help you out. So you don't know this, but a number of years ago, all the men got together, and we all decided we were going to become emotionally unavailable, and we were going to act like cavemen, smell a lot and grunt, and also uh, we were going to just watch, overwatch sports and then say stupid things to you that offend you. Isn't that right, men? We decided that, right? It's true. How many ladies agree with that? You think that's what we've all decided and we just, right? Okay, you know, but the truth is, ladies, you have some issues too, okay? So I, on behalf of men, I want to come to you today and let you know. You don't realize this, but you always come home and say, I really need to talk. And we're right in the middle of our favorite sports program when you need to talk. And this is like the moment we have to prove our love and put it on pause for you, right? So we pause it and you start telling us this wild story about, and then she said this and this happened and it made me feel this way. And we're trying to keep up with all your rabbit trails and stay with you the whole time. And you told us to solve a problem. So then halfway through it, we say, oh, I can solve this. And then you get mad at us and say, I don't want you to solve it. I just want you to feel what I feel. <laughs> we're not feelers, we're fixers. Where are my guys at? <laughs> Here's the point. The point is we're different. We're just wired differently. In fact, I know I was talking to someone last night. They said, my husband's more the feeler, and I'm more of the one that doesn't feel everything. And I was like, you need to tell your husband to give me his man card right now, okay? <laughs> but the truth is this, though. We're all wired differently, and it's okay. God designed us to be different. It's not meant to trigger you. It's not meant to drive you crazy. There's a purpose in that. In fact, the, the funny thing is there's a lot of ladies who say, my husband just doesn't feel like I want to feel, is that I bet the very thing you were attracted to him early on was that you were just like, he's my, he's my rock, I mean, he's just solid foundation. When I'm all over the place, he's my rock, right? But you forget that, you know, like if there's a storm going on, rocks don't move a lot. They're just kind of there. And so when you're like, I don't know why you're not feeling all that I'm going through, they're like, well, that's because we're your rock. And we're just there. In other words, it's okay that we're wired differently, right? Instead of being triggered by the differences, we should embrace the difference and say, God, thank you that they're not just like me. Thank you, Lord, that we balance each other out. Thank you, God, that there's things that they're good at that I'm not. There's things that I'm good at that they're not. Lord, thank you, God, that you've made us all 
different just a bit. And so it's really true. We all are wired differently. But I want to encourage you with something else. I think when it comes to people that trigger us, maybe it's not your spouse. I hope it's not. Maybe it's, maybe it's one of your kids right now is going through a tough season. Maybe, maybe for you, again, it could be just a dear friend that you really love, but they've kind of turned into a frenemy. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I love you, but I want to kill you right now because you keep saying these things or doing that, and they can really frustrate you. It, we all have people like this in our life. And so one of the things I want to lay down some groundwork on, the first thing I want to tell you is this, and, and here's the truth. You, know, you ever go to the store and there's always that one spot in the store where it's like the bargain bin and everything is like 40% off or, or more, but everything in that bargain bin has like a, a scratch or a dent or maybe the zipper doesn't go all the way up or it's missing a button. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? You know, and so all the things in that bargain bin are a really good deal, but there's always a little tag on it that says, as is, right? I think we should all remember that all of us in here are actually as is. We all have a scratch or a dent or a zipper doesn't go all the way up or we're missing a button or something quite doesn't work or we have a scuff, right? All of us, God made us, but we all are as is. Speaking of a husband and a wife, check out a couple of verses on this. Look at this. It says in 1 Peter 3, 7, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Lord, you said that right. I didn't say that right. That was you, not me, because I don't want to get in trouble right now. Now, before you get mad, ladies, let me show you another translation of the same verse to show you what this really means. First Peter 3, 7 says, Live considerately, this is the amplified version, with your wives. Honor the woman as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs in the grace of life in order that your prayers may not be hindered or cut off. So God says, hey, men, treat your wives considerately as a weaker vessel, not that she's weaker than you. It's just that when it comes to physical strength, men are supposed to be built stronger. That doesn't mean that women are weak, right? Also, men seem to be a little less movable when it comes to emotion at times. The thing that very much frustrates you that he doesn't feel like you feel often can be a strength. That, that In other words, that man is supposed to have broader shoulders for a reason to carry more for you. And so they're designed that way. God built us that way. So if we seem like you're like, man, you're clueless, you're just missing details, it may be that God allowed us to miss some of those details so we don't take in that anger or frustration as much. And so God wired us differently. It's okay. My wife is like, you literally don't miss, you know, you miss half of the things that I, that I catch. And I'm like, I'm really glad I do because I couldn't take in all that and process it. And so I'm glad I didn't catch half of that, you know. And so, but God wired us differently. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But this is the big thing I want you, want you to remember. It doesn't matter. It, it, even if I describe your relationship and it's not you, you say, that's not us at all. Okay, that's fine. You know, and I was stereotyping in a fun way a little bit a moment ago. But let me just say this. The point is that you are different than the person you're married to. You're supposed to be. You are different than the person you work alongside. You're supposed to be. You are different than your best friend. You're supposed to be. You are different than your parents and your teenagers and your sister or your brother. You're different than everyone else. You're supposed to be. You're an original. All of us are. And so we have, we have original uniqueness about us of strengths and weaknesses, of good things and bad things. All of us are as is. In fact, look at the scripture. It says this, Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. We've all sinned, every one of us. And so please don't think that you and I are immune, like, oh, well, you know, I'm glad you're preaching this because I know some people really need to hear it. No, all of us need to know this. How many of you guys feel like it seems like about one out of three people are crazy nowadays? How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? So look to your left if they're not crazy. Look to your right if they're not crazy. It's you. You're the crazy. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know the actual stats, but oftentimes what we call as someone being crazy just means that they don't fit how we would do things. Doesn't mean they're crazy. It just means they're different than you are. So what's, what's the first thing I want you to write down? Number one, before you are 
are triggered by someone, remember that we all have an as-is sticker on us. That's important to remember that. Now, let me show you something else. Number two, would you write this down? Emotions are meant to trigger you internally to create a plan. So you are supposed to be triggered emotionally, but not to snap, not to lose it, not to go off on someone, not to lose your Christianity, so to speak, not to do that. You're triggered so that internally you go, oh, I am frustrated. It's time to think this through. It's time to do something different. So that triggering should happen internally, not for you to go off on someone, but to think, okay, well, I got a, I got a plan to have a talk with them. We need to figure this out. This is not working. Like maybe if you're triggered by someone in the office, it's time to, to sit them down. To, hey, can we go grab some lunch? Or can I meet you in the, in the break room? And just can, we just, can we just talk? It may just be one of those things. That, in other words, the answer is not to snap. Also, the answer is not to push it down. When you push stuff down, guess what? It comes back up at the wrong time. And this is when you say things you can't believe you said. This is when you regret things you tweeted. This is when you regret how you just went off on someone. You're like, I cannot believe I used that language. I can't believe I used those words. I can't believe I said that. That's how that happens because you think, oh, I'll just push it down. But what you push down comes back out. So that's really not the answer. God has a better way. And so those emotions are meant to stir you to make some changes to say, oh, I, gotta, I gotta figure out a plan. We gotta do something about this, but not to lose it in the moment. Look at the scripture. It says in Proverbs 20, avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. So don't insist on fighting. Fighting will not get you where you wanna go. When they pop off at you and you wanna pop back, hold back and come back around later and, and deal with it. Because if you, if you just go off of how you feel in any given moment, you'll be saying things you shouldn't be saying to people. And I hear people say, well, I'll just tell people how it is. I'm like, well, when you do that, you probably end up jobless. Or what I'd say careerless means they, they just leave you at a lower position. Because in most organizations, the higher you go, the nicer people are. Because you advance through honor, not through dishonor. I've never heard anyone say, man, I dishonored my way to the top. Never heard that yet. So the very person you're saying, oh, they're such a brown noser, no, that mean, that's called honor, is what that's called. Now, don't get me wrong, if it's, if it's deceptive, meaning that they're nice to the people above them but no one else, then that'll, it'll come out. But instead, if you're sincere, but you learn to guard, instead of just go, going off, you learn to guard that. I have found if you can control your emotions, there's really nothing you can't handle. If you can just control your emotions, just learn to take hold of those thoughts before you say them, think it through. Or as I like to used to tell my kids when they were younger, I say, hey, I noticed that you didn't run what you just said through your marketing department in your brain. And they're like, what is that, Daddy? I'm like, that means that you stopped and think, how is this going to come across to people before I say it, right? And as adults, we do the same thing, don't we? So we have to learn to do that. Let me show you a situation where a guy had the right motive, went about it the wrong way. His name was Moses. Moses had a major temper problem. In fact, this is good news for all of us that Moses had a major temper problem, yet God still chose him, yet God still used him. So I don't know what your major blank, blank problem is. God can still use you. Isn't that good to know? Like none of us are perfect. Moses had a temper problem. David had a lust problem. I mean, we could go on and on through the Bible. People had all kinds of problems, right? I mean, half of the disciples had, a, had an ego problem. Well, I get to beat your right side. No, I get to beat your right side. Jesus is like, seriously, and trying to change the world and all you care about is where you're gonna sit in heaven. So we all have issues. And so don't think for a second that God can't use you, God can't do great things to you. Look at Moses, check it out. Exodus chapter two, Moses was raised, by the way, he was an, Egypt, he was an Israelite raised as an Egyptian. So it, it's a, through a long story, I don't have time to go into, he ended up in Pharaoh's home, like an adopted son, but his mom was actually a slave. And so he, he as he grew up just in, in, in Pharaoh's house and seeing his mom every day, but also being Pharaoh's house, he thought everything's cool, right? But then he got older to figure things out to realize, wait a minute, my mom lives way less than, than 
my family I live with here. Why is that? Why, why does she work so hard and have nothing? And, she did, and he realized, this is slavery. This is not right. So he began to really, it really hit him as an adult, as a young man. And so one day he got so frustrated, he snapped. He got triggered. He did the wrong thing. Check it out. It says, Moses saw an Egyptian beating one of his fellow Hebrews. Moses killed the Egyptian and hid the body in the sand. The next day he saw two Hebrew men fighting. Why are you beating up your friend? Isn't it funny how we see other people's faults but miss our own? So he's like, hey, don't be violent. And they're like, seriously, you're telling us not to be violent. You just killed a guy, right? But he didn't think anyone saw him. So look what happens next. The man replied, who appointed you to be our prince and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed that Egyptian yesterday? Moses is like, oh, no, someone saw it. Words out, right? Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. He knew Pharaoh because he lived in his home. He knew this guy will kill me. I know I call him daddy, but I'm really not his son. He'll kill me. And so he knew that Pharaoh didn't, didn't give a rip about the Hebrew people. He knew it. He saw it every day. So he had to flee. He ran, and he ended up in a town uh, miles away uh, called Midian. When he got to Midian, he met a really uh, pretty girl, fell in love with her, and then he married her. And then he didn't realize this, but her daddy was a, the priest of Midian. He, had, he was a God-fearing man, and so he learned about God through him. And then Moses had his own experience. Many of you were raised in a God-fearing home, but have you had your own experience yet? Did you catch that? So you, you, you may have been raised in home. You, oh, I was raised Catholic. I was raised Baptist. I was raised Jewish. I was raised, pick your flavor. But have you had your own personal experience with God yet? So then Moses had a personal experience. He walked up to a bush. It was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. He was like, what is going on? And then a voice came out of it, and it was God speaking, God getting his attention. Maybe God's given you a burning bush experience. Maybe for you it was a burning car you barely got out of. Maybe for you it, 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 was, it was the fact that you left the party just three or four minutes before the police showed up. And you realized, God, you clearly are speaking to me because I didn't get consumed in that, and I could have. Maybe God's speaking to you through this right now. And so he had this moment, and this is what happened. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering, so I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians. What's, what's he saying to Moses? Moses, first of all, says, I'm your God now. Moses surrenders himself to God. But then he says, hey, Moses, I'm aware. I'm aware of what's wrong in your hometown. I know. And I have heard the cries of your people that pray to me and ask for help. I've heard those. Maybe you've been praying to God and you didn't know that God's saying to you today, I hear your prayers. I know you're hurting. I know that. Or maybe for you that someone's really annoying you, driving you crazy, or triggering you, or just really straight up emotionally abusing you. You're like, I'm so frustrated. And God wants you to know that he's saying, I know, I know about it. I'm aware of the guy at the office that's a jerk. I know how your boss is all over you. I know how you're married to someone who has now become your enemy and you don't want them to be, you want to love them, but you're so hurt by them all the time. God's like, I'm aware of your teenager that's driving you crazy. I'm aware of the pain you're dealing with because of the rejection from someone you thought you could trust that you now can't. God's like, I'm aware. I know about that, Moses. So then God sends Moses back to do this the right way. Now in the power of God, under the surrender of God, he goes back to Pharaoh to set the people free. Long story, he ends up doing it. God blesses that, but there's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. Number two, emotions are meant to trigger you to make a plan not to lose it, not to go off. I want to stop real quick, if that's okay. I want to step out of the message for just a moment if I can, because there are moments when I just need to be the pastor God called me to be. God called me to lead, and to be a pastor means to be a shepherd, and so a shepherd leads sheep, but sometimes they shear them. So I need to take a moment with you if I can. Um, we've been saving money as a church. We have a great finance team here. We also have a great staff that's been intentionally saving. We've actually pulled back everyone's budget 
because we, we, we're saving money right now as a church so that we can put a down payment uh, to buy land and build a building in Padre Island. Many of you guys know about this project. We've been talking about it a little bit. And so it's through our 2020 offering. And I want to say thank you to, to so many of you who faithfully tithe, faithfully give, and faithfully above the tithe or even giving to the 2020 offering. Much of the money's come in, not all of it, but much of it has come in. But we went to our bank this last week. We've actually been in process for several months now with this, and we have great banking relationship. These guys really love the Lord. It's kind of unique to find a bank that actually has Christians over the Department of Loans for Banks that understand our heart to change lives. They really do get it. We've worked with the same bank for over a decade and a half. They're great people. They came to us and they said, hey, normally we would say, yes, we want to do this loan with you. We just can't because your cash flow is not strong enough. Well, I knew something that they didn't know, and that is that we have grown by not just a thousand, but several thousand people in the last few years, and yet our cash flow is not going up. Our budget's been about the same, which means that we have more and more people disobeying God. So listen, I'm coming before you now, and I know I'm getting all up on your grill, but that's my job. God has called me to lead you, and it is not helping you to not be generous. It's actually hurting you. I'm not trying to get something from you today. I'm trying to get something to you. God cannot bless you unless you tithe. A tithe actually means giving 10% of your income to God. Some of you go, oh, that's crazy. I can't imagine it. Why would God ask for 10%? Well, God tells us in his word, he owns 100% of what we have. He only requires 10. But I want to challenge you to begin to give this. And I've never met anyone who started tithing because they could afford it. They start tithing because they can't afford to not be blessed. So I want to challenge you. And I also want to say this. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I want to encourage those of you who are, are, are not giving now. Some of you are thinking, man, I bet the people who are giving right now are really mad at you that you're getting on them and they're already giving. No, actually, they're with me saying, yeah, you tell them, Pastor. Because there's a group, frankly, to be honest with you, that are pulling their weight here in this group that are not. And so I just want to challenge you. Is this your church? Is this the place that your kids' lives are being changed right now in children's ministry? Is this the place where your kids are being, having their lives touched and changed in student ministry? Is this the place where you come and you worship and you experience God and a fresh new word from him every single week? If you're being blessed by this place, then would you reciprocate and give to God's house? Would you join us in saying, this is my church. I'm not going to give today because I want to be blessed. I'm going to give today because it's the right thing to do. Will you make this your church and join us in giving? I'm not asking you to give today. I'm asking you to become a giver today. There's a difference. If you say, well, I'll give 20 extra bucks today, but I'm not. No, maybe you decide I'm gonna give $20 every time I come. Great, praise God. If you're from zero to 20, that's amazing. Thank you. God blesses your step of faith. If you say, well, it's not a full tithe, that's okay, take a step. Begin and watch God begin to do things and then, and then increase until one day you're, you're tithing. And this may shock you, but a lot of people in our church give above and beyond their tithe. My wife and I haven't just tithed in decades. We give above and beyond our tithing. It's an honor of bragging. It's an honor to do it. It's an honor to know because guess what? God blesses that. So I just want to challenge you. Would you join us? Because there is no good reason for our church to be where we are financially with this many people. Quit saying, well, there's someone else richer who's covering it. No, there's not. No, we're all a part of God's house. And so I want to challenge you. Do your part. Can we agree to that as a church to say, I'm just going to do my part. Thank you. I'm going to... I'm going to step back off my soapbox right now. So thank you for letting me share that with you. Some of you got triggered. Go back to the notes. If you're triggered, work the notes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Let's keep going. Check this out. What do we do if you're like, okay, pastor, I realize there's a right way to do this. There's a wrong way to do this. I don't want to snap. I don't want to lose it on someone. So how do, I, how do I do this the right way? Well, if someone's really up in your grill, driving you crazy, bugging you, just you're like, oh, I'm, just so, I'm just so frustrated with them. I just, they're ruining me. They're messing me up. If you don't deal with that right, it's going to affect every area of your life. 
This is why people snap and they lose it in traffic. They're not really that mad that someone cut them off. That probably happens every day in traffic. They're upset because of what's going on at home or at work, and they just took it out on the guy who cut them off. Because you're like, why would someone have this kind of road rage over me just not noticing them and pulling in front of them? It's not about that. It's about the fact that there's, they're, they're walking mad. If you're walking mad, you're shoving something down that's coming up, whether you like it or not. you got to deal with it. And so rather than walking mad, let's fix those things. And so what do we do? Matthew 18 says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Now, this is speaking to Christians. So in, in, in this case, it's saying, if you're not getting along with someone in church, go talk with them one-on-one. Don't, don't take anyone else. You know, it's funny. We talk to everybody but the person. But that's not what God says. God says, go directly to the person, right? Then if it doesn't get worked out, then you bring a, a third party along with you. Make sure it's not like your best friend. It was like, okay, that's clearly biased. So try to be someone that's, that's more of an unbiased third party for both of you and bring them in and say, hey, man, I tried to talk with you. It didn't work. Can we just sit down again? And then, or even what's even better if you talk, hey, can I bring someone else in to help us figure this out? And then, and then do that. And if it still doesn't work, to take it to church means what? It means take it to your authority. So in the church, you'd come to a pastor about it. But, but if you're not in church, at work, if you're in the military, you'd go to your boss and say, hey, I, went, I sat down with this guy. We're, on the same, we're kind of on the same pay grade on the team together. We're not getting along. And then I brought someone else, another team member to try to help. We're just talking along. Can you help us? We're just trying to figure this out. That's the beauty of authority. Authority is not meant to hurt you. It's meant to help you work things out. So I want to encourage you that there's a step to take, there's a process to this. But keep this in mind. After all that goes down, if they still don't get it, it says this. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision or the authority's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, before going any further, how did Jesus treat a corrupt tax collector? Think about it. Zacchaeus, right? He loved him. So there is no moment in your frustration with someone to ever treat them bad. God never ever wants us to treat people badly. There's no excuse for that in the Bible. If we're going to honor the Lord, we have to treat people well. This doesn't mean you're a doormat. Notice that this, this means you do confront them and say, hey, this is not okay. I'm not suggesting you just get walked over. In fact, it may be something where you got to stand up for yourself and say, whoa, 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 you don't talk to me like that. And I want to tell you right now, if you're being treated badly by someone, I got good news for you. You're a child of God. You deserve to be treated better. And so you, you should have a higher self-esteem in you to know that there's a God who loves you. If Jesus died for you, you're a great value, and some of the great value shouldn't be treated badly. So I just want to encourage you. You're not supposed to be a doormat. You're supposed to confront them. But there's a way to do this. But also remember this. Even if you do that and it's not working out, Luke chapter 6 says this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. The golden rule. That's from Jesus. That's not just a quote you heard in, from your teacher in school. That's from Jesus. Hey, treat someone like you want to be treated. So what does this mean? Number three, learn to keep short accounts with people, but do it in a loving way. Keep short accounts with people, do it in a loving way. If you don't do that, if you have a long account, which means that, you know, someone's treating you bad and you don't say anything, I don't, I'm not going to say anything, I'm not going to say anything. You keep doing that, eventually you're just going to, you're going to blow it. You're going to go crazy on them. That's not the way you do it. Don't build up. Keep short accounts. Hey, hey, you know what? Just a moment, that really offended me. Did you mean to say it like that? Did you know how that came across? you know how it made me feel? And so keep short accounts of people. If you do that, you won't have that big blow up that, that you, you will regret if you do that. So real quick, if none of that's working, so I'm just, we're getting progressively worse. Like now you're getting someone, you're like, Pastor, I've done everything you just said. I have gone to them. I've gone to them with someone. I have repeatedly had this problem and they will not change. They, it's like they're just out to get me. Oh, okay, guess what? It happened to Jesus too. There's a whole group of people that were out to get Jesus called Pharisees and they were out to get him straight up. 
So maybe you've got someone in your life, you're like, I just think they just want me to go down, period. They don't want me to have this job. They don't want me to be on this team. They don't want me to be their small group leader. They don't want me in the youth group. They don't want, just someone just out to get you. Been there, done that. What do you do when someone is just toxic? They want no good for you. What do you do when you, you know, you're single, girls start dating some guy and you, one of your good friends just, I don't care what you do, she just, everything you wear is bad and ugly, everything you say is wrong, and then you realize, you finally realize, oh, this, this is about the fact that I'm with the guy she wants to be with. So it doesn't matter what I do, <laughs> I'm always gonna be, you know, public enemy number one to them. What do you do? Just what Jesus did. Follow Jesus' example by displaying authority under control. Now, you may not be in authority over them, but authority under control means I may be able to say or do something, but that doesn't mean I do it. So just because you can doesn't mean you should. And so look what Jesus does. The, the Pharisees were always out to get him. At one point, they, they came at him pretty strong. He was trying to bring healing to a woman who was just caught in adultery. They basically caught this woman. They dragged her out probably half naked, and they picked up rocks. They're about to stone her to death, and Jesus gets him. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? No, 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 we're not doing this. And they're like, who do you to say? And so they start snapping at him, and Jesus stops, and you know he wants to, he just, he begins to write in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. I've always been curious what that was. I think maybe he started writing some sins that maybe they, he knew they were doing, or maybe the dates of when they were with this woman. Right? This woman kind of got around town, you know what I'm saying? So who knows? He's right. And so I'm not sure what he wrote, but he didn't snap back at them. And so what does that mean for you and me? Check out the verse, John 8, 6. This, is, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. He didn't start going off. Instead, he did this. A, sometimes saying nothing is strength. Sometimes saying nothing is strength. So there's three things under this point here. Look at the scripture. Proverbs 12, 16 says, the vexation of a fool. Vexation means state of being annoyed. Like the annoyance of a fool, just, ah, I'm so mad, I just want to. The vexation of a fool is known at once. But the prudent, prudent means you think about the future. How's this going to come across? What's going to happen tomorrow if I say this now? But the prudent ignores an insult. You say, you tell me just to be treated badly? No, I'm telling you to be treated badly once or twice. Maybe that coworker just snaps at you and just say to yourself, maybe they're just having a bad day. There's some things I probably don't know. And most of the time, that person will come back around and say, hey, I'm really sorry. I, most of the time, they realize what they did, and they'll come around and say, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I was short with you in that meeting. I'm really sorry. I, sh I, sh I was rude. I, I shouldn't have done that. Most people see that, and so give them some grace. This is a great thing to do with your family, for sure. Someone's just having a bad day. They snap at you. Don't, don't, don't snap back. You say, hey, okay, maybe you're tired. You're worn out. You're frustrated. I don't know what happened. Give them some time. Most of the time, they'll come back around and say, hey, I'm really, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And at that point, it's, you show some grace because you need it too to say, thank you. I appreciate you saying that. It's all good. So we need to sometimes just not say anything. But if it's a continual thing and they don't see it, or they do see it and don't care, then you have to do what Jesus did here. Confront when necessary. But stay calm while you do it. Stay confront when necessary. John 8, 47. Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Oh, Jesus. Let us know how you feel. He's like, oh yeah, you guys act like you know God. You don't. You think you do, but you don't. What? I mean, he's calling out the religious leaders of their day. He's like, you think you're close to God, but I happen to be God's son and you don't even recognize it. So the very thing you say you are, you're not. So notice at no point does he pop off of them, but he does say the hard truth. 
So don't be afraid to say that. It's okay to say, you know what? I, I love you, but you're driving me crazy because you said this and you did this and you, you promised this and you didn't keep your word. That is called lying. I'm not good with it. I'm not cool with that. So this is clearly Jesus not being a doormat. I mean, he's laying out the truth. He, he's going harsh. I mean, Jesus did this with Judas. He's like, you're about to betray me, man. I know you are. So just get it over with. <laughs> he wasn't messing around. So we think that being, oh, well, that's not very Christian of you. No, that is. That's, this is Christ who did this. It's the very definition of, of what it means to be a Christian is to stand up for yourself, but do it in a loving way. So this is when you back off. And always remember this. Oh, you say, well, you know, these are people who aren't walking with God. No, 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 no. I don't care who you are. There's always a Judas at your table. Always. Which is also why you shouldn't give up where you are. Well, I'm going to leave this church because I got offended. I'm going to go to another church where no one offends me. Good luck with all that. Because if you find a church with a bunch of perfect people, don't join because you'll mess it up because you're not perfect. In other words, there's no church like that. There's no work environment where there's not an, a jerk that works there. There's, there's no break room in America that doesn't have a flirt that you have to avoid. Did you know that? Let me just save you some time. There is no place you can go in a social setting where there's someone who's fake. There's no place that doesn't have a person like that. So if you're thinking, well, I'll just leave this job, I'll leave this marriage, I'll leave this relationship, I'll leave this, this situation, I'll leave this social circle, I'll leave this church, you will be leaving everything the rest of your life until you learn it. Sometimes you just have to have a conversation with somebody. You want, you want to be long-term in anything? You got to learn to work through things with people. And the last thing Jesus did here, I think this is the strongest thing he did, was he asked direct questions rather than accusing. So look what happens here. Mark chapter 11. Again, they entered Jerusalem as Jesus was walking through the temple area. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders came up to him. So again, he just shows up and there they are. Wherever you go, they're there. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? It's like anywhere I go, someone who annoys me shows up. Someone who offends me, that type of person that just drives you crazy, they're everywhere. It's true. I see stupid everywhere. <laughs> no. I'm not suggesting to look for people that bother you, but you're always going to have an environment where there's someone who offends you or, or does, rubs you wrong, what I call sandpaper people. They kind of rub you. You're like, oh, that, that's raw. But what you don't know is that God's using them to smooth something out in your life too. And some sandpaper is 20 grit, some is 100 grit but it's actually God's doing something through that to work on you. And so it actually makes us better. Jesus did this. It says, they, they, again, they entered, they came up to him. They demanded, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you the right to do them? I love that question because maybe there's people like this in your life. Who told you you could do that? And you're like, well, who told you you can question whether I do this? You ever had someone in your life that thinks they're an authority in your life or tell, to tell you why you shouldn't or should do something? And you're thinking, I mean, I've had people come up to me. That I'm like, do I even know you? I have been in a mall where someone came up to me, they don't go to our church to tell me what I'm doing wrong as a pastor. I'm like, I'm sorry, ma'am, do I know you? Not to mention it was at my child's birthday party. You talk about a moment when I needed to practice what I'm preaching now. Don't be triggered. I just said, thank you for your opinion. I'll con consider that, God bless. As I turned around calmly and went back to my child's birthday party. Sometimes you just have to learn to control your emotions because what I was emoting at the moment would not have been healthy. And I may have been even confirming what she already thought of me. Sometimes you control your emotion. I'm off script now. <laughs> Sometimes you control your emotion not because you're so spiritual, because you know that God is close to you and if you go off, God will make you go back and apologize and the last thing you want to do to this person is apologize to them for anything. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? 
Been there, done that. It happens. There's no halo on me. I hate to break it to you. I wish there was. But there is a God who loves me in my heart that will give me strength in the moment when I need it desperately. How about you? We don't have halos yet. So we have to learn to deal with this. So he asked a direct question back. They demanded, by what authority do you get to do this? And he said this. I'll tell you by what authority. I'll do these things if you answer one question. And he asked a question back. Did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human? Answer me. I love that question. It's not that we ask that question, but maybe here's a question you could ask. Maybe someone's offending you and you say, hey, I just want to talk to you. Um, I don't know if you realize this, but I came to you on this date and I came to you on that date and I came to this date. And I really have asked you multiple times about this and we're not really getting anywhere. So I'm just going to ask you, just, I just need your advice. What would you do if you were in my shoes? See how off-putting that is? It makes them realize like, oh, because they're not thinking about you. That's the reason why they're offending you. So it helps them see that angle. Maybe, maybe as a parent, you go to your teenager and say, hey, so what would you do if you, like when you're a parent one day and you've asked your kid to do this three times and they won't do it, what would you do? Like when you're the parent, what would you do? It's amazing how the kid stops and goes like, oh, I guess one day I'll be your age, 107, and one day <laughs> I'll have a child that maybe is not doing what, what I want. And it's so funny because when you do this with kids, they always say, oh, I'll, I'll give them the business. They're going to obey me. Oh, really? That's funny. Do you want me to do that? See, those questions lead them to realize, wow, I didn't think about it from your angle. Maybe your spouse, you know, you just go, hey, hey, babe, um, so what would you do if you were married to someone who kept coming home at three in the morning? What would you do? I'm just curious. See, the question's powerful. Sometimes you just need to ask a direct question. And last of all, and I hate to go here, but I need to go here because this does happen. I, I wish I could say this doesn't happen, but please don't think, well, if you're really walking with God, this will never happen. Not true. Almost everyone in the Bible, there's an account of when things just did not work out with someone. John had an account with a guy, uh, John Mark, with, with, with Paul. I mean, you, there's all throughout the Bible. David regularly had run-ins. I mean, Saul was just straight up out to get him. I mean, there's all kinds of people in the Bible. You know, I could go all through Esther. I mean, we could keep going all throughout the people that you're like, wow. So it's not about that. It's just people are going to be people. So what does this mean for you and me? Sometimes this happens. Proverbs 24, 24 says this. Don't hang out with angry people. Don't keep company with hotheads. Bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. And this may surprise you that you're going to hear this in church. But if you've done everything you know to do, and the Bible says do all that you can do, as far as it's on your side of the equation, do everything you can to get along with people. But if you've done everything you know to do, Number five, when all else fails, sometimes you have to distance yourself or, dare I say, walk away. I have friends that I know that love the Lord with all their heart that don't do Christmas with certain people that are family. That they're like, we tried it. We tried it again and again. We gave them grace. And they just refuse to get along. So I'm not going to subject my kids to the way they treat me or, or them. Or, or, or maybe for you, you're like, I, I, I tried it. I, I, I tried to work these out with this coworker, and I, I don't know how else to do this. I, I just need to find another job. I've tried. And maybe for you, you're like, I, I've tried repeatedly in this small group to get along with this person, and they just don't want to. And so I'm just going to go start another group or, or go to another group because I just I, I can't get this worked out. It does happen. It, it's rare if you do this right, but it still occurs. So please don't think that if you're going to walk with God, you're going to be able to avoid this all the time. And I don't understand why God allows this to happen, but I do know this. God still loves you, and he's there for you, even when people aren't. I just want to encourage you with that. You're not alone. 
Even when people have really hurt you and really damaged you, let God bring healing to you today. Not all people are like that person. Don't close yourself up. God has new relationships. This is what I love about our life groups, is that there's great, healthy people that want to love on you, and you love on them. And you, and you can just kind of start fresh with a new friendship. You can start fresh in a new relationship. God, God's not through with you. Now, I'm not suggesting in this verse that this means, oh, walk away from your marriage. No, that, that's a covenant relationship. That's different. And if you're really in that spot, God gives a few reasons for that. There's a different sermon. I've preached on that many times. I'm not talking about that. If you're there, you need to go talk to a counselor, a pastoral counselor, figure that out. But when it comes to any other relationship, I want to encourage you. There, it's okay. You say, Pastor, Christmas is coming, man. This person's in my family. I don't know how to get around. I get that. But just because God says to love everyone, God never says to have to hang out with everyone. So it's okay to have a little distance from someone that's offending you regularly. No one said to subject yourself to that all the time. just want to encourage you today. I got also some really great news for you is that maybe someone has not been faithful to you, maybe someone has not been loyal to you, but there is a God who's always loyal. And keep this in mind too, Jesus died for the very people who were trying to kill him. He gave his life for the very people trying to take it. He sacrificed for the very people who were rude to him, unjust to him, unfair to him. In the same way, when we were going wayward and not following him, Jesus was thinking of you on the cross. Even though he knows that all the stuff we've done, he still died for us. Have you received him? I mean, have you really had your own experience? Well, you know, I grew up. I didn't ask how you grew up. I didn't ask that. I don't need to know your mama's faith. Do you have your personal faith yet? Have you had a personal experience with Jesus? If you have not, this is your burning bush moment, Moses. This is how God wants to speak to you. And maybe God got your attention like he did Moses through something that went really wrong, through a train wreck in his relationships. Let's start a relationship with Jesus today. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head bowed, every eye closed across all of our campuses right now. You can receive Christ as your Lord, as your Savior. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for all of our sins, all the things we've done wrong. Then Jesus rose again from the grave, proving that he's God. Now he waits for you to individually receive him. Pray this prayer with me. We're just going to say it out loud together. You can say, Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you paid the price for my sins. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.